Today, I'm talking to six times cancer survivor turned professional optimal wellness coach and host of Do The Cure podcast, Dan Hegerish. I do have a warning for you. This interview may be triggering for some people as it contains controversial views about cancer from Dan's experience in helping himself heal after years of failed medical intervention. Now, just to point out, Dan's views are his own and not necessarily shared by myself. But I wanted to be open to the message Dan has and how this could help people who can relate to what he has to say. Hi, you are listening to the Mindset Change Podcast, and I'm your mindset coach, Paul Shepard, who is on a mission to help you heal your mind and body from the inside out so you can stop struggling and start living. If you're new to the show, welcome. Please subscribe to help the show grow, and more importantly, so you don't miss another episode. And welcome, Dan. Hey, hi, Paul. How are you today? I am very, very, very good. Very good. I'm going to jump straight in with you because I think there's so much to discuss, and I really want to dive deep straight away. So if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you a question, which I think is going to be quite surprising for a lot of people but I think has set the tone for our conversation today. What are we getting wrong about cancer? What are we getting wrong about cancer and healing? Oof, I think that's, a, that's going to be a fun journey today because we're talking about really two different mindsets. And one of the mindset is cancer is a disease that's happening to me. Or the other mindset is cancer is happening for me. And what does that mean, right? It's happening to me mm, that yeah. I had nothing to do with it. I'm a victim of cancer. And cancer is some sort of foreign entity that's taken over my body mind and is going to consume me and, and, and wants to kill me. And so it has nothing to do with me. Uh, and it's outside of me when it's really growing inside of you, which is kind of interesting. But mm. it's something out there. And I need someone outside of me to tell me what's wrong and how to go about fixing it, so to speak. Uh, and that it's like a mechanical view, right? This, this limited view of cancer as something they look under a microscope, right? And so when you look under yep. the microscope, you kind of forget that there's a human being that's experiencing cancer. Mm, yeah. So that's one way to look at it. And that's how, I call that the disempowering path or the victim path. Okay. Okay. So your power has been given up to cancer and its elusiveness. The other path is saying cancer is happening for me. So cancer is not here to harm you. Cancer is actually, cancer is actually another living form seeking expression, given the environment. Wow. Okay. All right. And so, if you the analogy, folks, if you want to think of an analogy, if you go into the woods at the right time and the right environment is uh, set, you'll see a bunch of mushrooms. Now that could be the cancerous tumor body of the forest. So should we come in and burn, burn? poison it and cut it all out? Or is it just another life form seeking expression in its environment? And it has major benefits to the forest. So are you saying That's that cancer has major benefits? Yeah. yeah. So do you think that cancer has a major benefit then? Is that what you're saying? It's uh, like mushrooms in your forest? Well, let's, let me look at it from my perspective. I had a, a terminal form of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma that I had to go through six times. Here I am 20 years later. How did it benefit me? Right. So it benefited me because it taught me how to live. I look at it as the opportunity to learn how I've done wrong 
And if I know how I done wrong and I take ownership of how I done wrong, then I can start to do right by my, you know, with myself and others and life itself. So that's one way I experienced it. It took a long time for me to really anchor that into my own real surrender point to, to really believe that I had a lot of control on creating cancer in my life based on the environment that I created for it to grow similar to the forest. And so I started taking more control of what I, I could do for myself. That meant I was on the empowering path. And I call that the conscious healing path. And what that means is, is the conscious healing path means I have to actually go into my conscious, my unconscious suffering with my, my awareness, with that part of me that is beyond mind and ego. It's the awareness part of me that says, oh, I'm suffering, but I'm trying to run away from it. I'm trying to hide from it. I'm trying to uh, mask it, self-medicate it, and do whatever I can to just sort of not listen to it and, and feel it. So I chase pet pleasure to avoid that suffering. And in fact, a lot of people might understand that the more you need immediate gratification, the more you have unconscious suffering that's not resolved. So okay. I had to enter into that world of all the ways I was addictive to the pleasure so I could avoid that unconscious unhappiness and, uh, and, and suffering. That's really two paths, the, the empowering path on my end where I saw cancer as a telescope, I pulled back and I said, wait, I'm a human being that's experiencing cancer for some reason. It's not happening to me. And I was blessed with this part of me, this conscious something inside of me that accepted it that way. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm still human and I'm still opening a relationship with that part of myself, this, this vastness, this, you know, unknown aspect in many regards. And sometimes I have experiences of it. So but then there's the disempowering path that I was on, a victim of life, sabotaging myself, self-abusive, and ignorant and arrogant. Let's face it. I was just living very ignorantly and arrogantly. Ignorantly, I didn't know. And arrogantly, I knew the things that I was doing that were in my best interest. And I know listeners that are listening now, this is not an offensive thing. This is just to say, I know you know there are things that you're doing that are probably not in your best interest. And when yeah, you start I, to I think that's aware be, of that yeah. and say, hey, you know what? Yeah. And when I'm aware of that and you start to not do those things, mm -hmm. conscious healing will start taking place and you'll start so, um, to I get more I, empowerment. Yeah. So I think some people are going to be quite triggered by what, what you're saying is in regards to if someone's listening to this and they've got cancer or they know that someone's got cancer. Are you saying that it was their lifestyle, their, you know, their mentality, their mindset that caused the cancer? Is that because some some people may be triggered and quite offended by that? I'm what gonna would you suggest say? it was yeah, I think it's um mm. I think it's probably in theory it's easy and in application it's a little bit more challenging, right? Because of our humanness. Mm. So in theory, I would say, yep, you are hundred percent responsible. That's like the ideal trigger. Like the thing that got me the the most anger in my life was I was responsible for this hundred percent. So when anyone was saying all my spiritual teachers are saying you're 100% for this creation. I got triggered, okay? But mm. I allowed myself to just allow me to feel that trigger and just let it come in without rejecting it, right? Not with completely putting up my hands and saying, no, 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 that's not true. I said, wait a minute, is that true? Like, is there some truth that I was 100% okay. responsible for this creation, okay? So 
if I take 100% responsibility for that creation, guess what? Then I can take 100% responsibility for the creation of something else. Would that be fair to say? But if I dip well, my yeah, toe I mean, and say, yeah. I, if I dip my toe and I say, mm, you know what? I'm not really responsible for that. Therefore, I'm not responsible for what I create tomorrow. So therefore, someone else is responsible for that. Mm. Ooh, that's a trigger. That that's that could be kind of hard too. So, you know, for people that have cancer right now, I think there's going to be a lot of emotionality that will, will will prevent them from coming forward into their ability to think more creatively and rationally. And so yeah, that, that's where a, that's where the awareness part comes in before mm-hmm. awareness before the power of their choices. Because you need awareness to know that you have choice. Otherwise, the choices you've made along the way have been unconscious or automatic. And those are based on your culture and social circles and your family traditions and things. So you were programmed and it was just software that was running. So of course, you don't think that you had anything to do with it because this is a program running. But you have control over that programming. So that's where mindset comes into play. Yeah. I'm wondering... I think some people might listening to this might think, well, I'm not I'm not 100% responsible for getting cancer, but I have to be 100% responsible for it. So I think there's still an element of it's happened to me. And how am I responsible for that? And I'm just I was listening to you, you know, when you were talking about your spiritual teachers, you know, they they said this to you and you had your resistance to that. What was that like for you? And how did you make the leap from, I know obviously you felt, obviously you went into the feeling, that's one thing, but how did you make the leap from being a victim to cancer to being empowered with it and having a different mindset with it? It came right in the beginning. So when I was in the office of Dr. Lawrence Cloud at 29 years old, and I was there to determine what this biopsy that was taken and why was I so sick at such a young age? So we, I went into his office and he was standing up and we met eye to eye and shook hands. And he had one question. And that question was, Dan, how did such a young man such as yourself get into the business of cancer? Mm. That was a question that brought my awareness. It, it activated my internal awareness. And that awareness said, hmm, how did I get into the business of cancer? What were the things that I was doing and not doing that led me into this particular predicament? What in my current language, this experience of life. It's a very powerful question. It, what, it, was, what were the answers for you? Yeah. yeah, but I turned it internally. And this open-minded, open-hearted part of me took that question and did ask, Dan, how did you get into the business of cancer? How, what were the things you were doing that got you here? And you know what? This is where mindset comes into play. I became aware of the things I've done in the past that I knew I was doing wrong. And I had an opportunity right now to do right how I've done wrong. So what sort of things were you doing? What sort of things? If anyone's listening to this thinking, shit, am I doing these things? Am I doing the things which are going to lead to cancer? I mean, I know that's the obvious, you know, if, if anyone's a smoker um, or maybe drinking too much. But is there, what, are, are these things that you were involved in or was there something else? No, I think it was the standard Western way of living okay. was... For me, I, number one, I was not living my true authentic self. Okay. That was number one. What does that mean? 
That means I had no idea what it meant to love myself. What does that mean? That means I didn't have a vision for who I wanted to be in the world. And so I was more conditioned by my family, my parents, on who I should be to essentially appease society, friends, community, the country, right? So I was taught that I should become a lawyer, doctor, and engineer. And that was the real programming of my mom. Mm. That if I became that, then I would receive the love of mom, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course I did. I became a civil engineer, but that didn't work. <laughs> you know, because I wasn't living authentic. I was, it was a social mask. Right? So living, or, so so living in order. That's probably one of the biggest, that's the biggest, I think that was the biggest major contributor because yeah. that meant a lot of my emotionality about standing in my own beliefs and my own true self and my own standing on my own two feet, so to speak. And following that was something I wasn't doing. I was more going by the way, which would be, how can I do what they want me to do so I can be, they can be my friends. And what impact does that have on the body? So when you're living inauthentically, which I think a lot of people listening to this are going to think, shit, (laughs) I don't think I'm living, living that way either because you know, we're, conditioned we have a conditioned mind and uh we we can follow that program but how do you think that leads to the body cre- uh, you know producing cancer having that cancer express itself within the body personally it sets up self-hatred for the body and what mm. that means is is it goes through the mind and we make poor choices it, it just almost inevitably puts us in this path of self-destruction and for some people it's not so aggressive. And for some personalities like mine, it might be more aggressive. You know, it might be 75 years later, or it might be 50 years. For me, it was 29 years or various things that it's not to abuse it. So those choices I were making were based on life is so stressful, the heck with it. Or in this case, disease is inevitable and out of my control. That's a program. That's a that's a belief system in our society that disease is inevitable. It's out of control. So cancer's normalized. Heart disease is normalized. Diabetes, overweight. These are all becoming normalized. And so what I recognized in myself was that I just ran that program. I was just running that program. Now, yeah. your illness might, might not be cancer. It might be autoimmune disease. It might be whatever you're genetically predisposed to. Right. But then that genetic predisposition requires some sort of circumstances to make them go rogue, so to speak. Right. Yeah. yeah. So. So for me personally, that true authentic self was I didn't have an idea of who I wanted to be and that I had choices that can create that that sort of identity for the world. And I was under the influence of someone else. So then that leads to the behavior, uh, the, the choices that lead to a behavior and the behavior leads to habits and habits leads to our results and creates who we are. So it's a reverse engineering, right? It's kind of like now just look at your habits and reverse it. Like what's my emotional state of why I'm doing that habit. And then what's my belief system. And then where's my awareness? Where's my connection to my spirit, Mm -hmm. my true authentic self? Because a lot of people would rather not be the true authentic self in order to maintain their current relationship with their spouse, let's say. They're more afraid of the breaking up of their partnership and their their husband-wife than they are 
of um, collapsing this false identity they've been presenting. Mm. So the the idea was, I it, I didn't give a damn. My relationship with that true self was more important than anything else. And that's why I, ca- I call self-love is the most important and most ne- necessary thing in the healing path. Even if you have cancer, it's not about the tumors. It's about loving yourself and that you're experiencing cancer for some reason. So are you saying now that cancer woke you, you up? Your cancer, cancer woke me up in a massive way, in a really radical way. Mm. Like the house of cards were falling down, except for it took me six years of constantly chipping away at that egoic defense mechanism. You know, it was just constantly right. like, at first I was a cocky 29-year-old kid going to navigate it, but I was waking up. So it was a really, I was really in a slumber rather than asleep. <laughs> and I, so you know, I, I yeah, had to I, go through my suffering. I had to go deep and wide into the su- suffering consciously with no pain medications. You know, I had tumors in my spine. That was painful. And I had to let go of that. And then my wife had to leave the marriage. That was painful. But I had to consciously go through them and ask the question, why am I suffering? Where's the suffering coming from? Mm. So a, a real form of radical honesty is what you seem to have been woken up to with addressing what was what was causing suffering in your life. It's quite, it sounds very powerful. Yeah, it was no more denial. Yeah, no more denial yeah. um, of what I like to do and what I like to do for the sake of doing it. And secondly, as far as the true self, it was like, I love life for life mm. itself. I don't need to love life for anything else. I just love life for life itself, like the beauty of life, right? And the gratitude yeah. for this opportunity. Um, and so when people start to feel triggered about what I'm sharing, that's a sign that healing is asking for you. You're consciously looking for he- Why are you being triggered? That's the question. Why am I being triggered? What's the trigger? You know, can yeah, I engage a- in this conversation without being triggering? That's more open-minded and open-hearted. But otherwise, if you're triggered, there's a defense mechanism in there to protect your own sense of self and your own personality and your own ego and defend some of the things you were doing that you know were wrong, but you want to defend them anyway. Yeah, and and still do them. Usually signing it up for it. Yeah, people do that. And so they, and just to validate their social circle, like, oh no, but all my friends are doing it and they don't have cancer. See, so they're, they're playing defensive. It has nothing to do with anyone else. <laughs> it has to do with how you operate. How's, it has to do with you. It has nothing to do with who else is doing what. Yeah. My friends can drink well, alcohol and they're fine. <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's a big, there's a big, I think there's a, like an autopilot, isn't there, where people just, as you, we talked about, uh, where people are living and almost like in a trance and they're just repeating what society and uh, their parents are conditioning them into. So, but being awake and aware, I mean, obviously cancer woke you up. What would, what would you advise to someone who wants to wake up, wants to be aware? How would they do it? Because well, cancer, cancer seems quite extreme well, to get, cancer seems up? quite extreme. I, I, hate, yeah. I, I, I hate to say this, but fear and pain and suffering is a, a portal to waking up. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, True, that's, yeah. you know, like they say, bottoming out, you know, I bottomed out and it's when you stop denying how you want to live in life, like stop denying what, who you want to be in life outside of anybody else's influence. 
that's the game people have to come to, you know? How do you want to be your best version of yourself today, right now, in this moment? What's in your control? Whatever's in your control, make a right, make the choice that brings you towards who you want to be. What well, if you don't and know? That's because you, whatever you're, you're, you're do today, coach, you're, yeah. Yeah, you're whatever coach. you do today is going to yeah. create your tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. But you're, you're a coach. What, what, you must know, people ask, must ask you this all the time. I get asked this quite a lot. I don't know. What if I don't know who I am? What if I don't know what my authentic self is? How do, how do I find that out? What would, what would your advice be? What are you interested in? Just what, mm. do you, what, what, what do you navigate towards? What are you interested in? That's it. If you're interested in cooking, maybe that's a, a piece of where you can start to express your creativity. You can express your um, uh, joy of connection with other people through food. You can find um, artistic expression through there. Um, so you just find what you are interested in. Now, if you really want to go from a place of cancer and beyond, what, what, who do you want to become not only to help save your soul, but to help other people? Now, that's, a, that's what my mission was, right? So I said, wow, I, if I can answer that question, Dan, how did you get into the business of cancer? If that became my life syllabus and my professor, or yeah, my professor, Dr. Lawrence Cloud, gave me my syllabus and I could answer that question, I could save my soul interesting, my true authentic self, and mm -hmm. I can help a lot of people along the way. So that became incredible fuel for me to create who I wanted to be. Now, some people in that lost phase, let it go. Don't worry about having to know because the more you stress out about needing to know, the more it'll elude you. Just relax, learn to be playful, learn to be lighthearted and come back to center, come back to being relaxed and allow it to manifest in you. It's kind of like, don't keep looking at the opening the oven to see if the cake's ready, hmm. you know, just close it and relax. It'll be done when the timer goes off or when it's done. It'll all start to come together. Paul, I've been doing this for, I've been distilling this down for two decades. So people should really realize that I have millions and millions, if not trillions of thinking about what my mission is, who I am becoming. And you know what? I'm still growing. I'm still figuring it out in some ways. So is yeah. there really an end to it? No, I don't think there is. So yeah. just let go. And I know in your work as a mindset um, coach and facilitator, it's really about coming back to being present, relaxing, journaling asking questions, ask yourself powerful questions. You know, how, how do I want to live if I had no judgment on it or no uh, programming on it, or I wasn't to please someone else? What am I interested in? You know, and does that make me feel alive and with purpose and meaning? That's very powerful, so, really um, powerful. Yeah. I, 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 I'm a big fan of help you know focusing on helping people realize who they want to be authentically and I, I do think it does have a big impact of if we don't because we do have that self-hatred and do you think that that what do you think that self-hatred does how does that become cancer if someone really because you hear it quite a lot people are very critical of themselves they've picked that up in trauma they've been they've picked that up uh from society uh that their body image is wrong that the you know their race their gender all sorts of things are wrong. So it can be a lot well, of anger directed Well, it directly affects their self-esteem. Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah, it's definitely, it affects their self-esteem. So they belittle others to make themselves feel bigger, right? They gossip a lot about other people in a negative way. That's one way you can tell that your self-esteem has been triggered by your own self-hatred or mm. self-criticism. We all have this inner critic with this inner judge. We all have it and we have to deal with it. Just know that, first of all, the emotions around things like chronic degenerative disease, the emotions that you're feeling, they're not the truth. They're real. Your anger, your hatred, they're, they're real for you, but they're not the truth. In fact, when you start to experience that self-hatred, like here's an example. Someone's overweight. They want to lose weight. They, they know they shouldn't be eating that pint of Haagen-Dazs, right? They know. They're like, I shouldn't be eating this, but it's so good. Well, that's the immediate gratification that you're taking to appease the unconscious suffering that you're, you're holding. So you eat the you eat the the pint and then you feel so bad you eat another pint. That's self-hatred. Not only is it self-hatred to engage in that, but it's doubling down where it becomes almost clinical that you actually go into uh well what the hell? I might as well go for it again. I might as well double down. Right? That's a form of self-hatred, right? And how do you stop that? I think it's hard for people unless they have enough fear and pain to bottom out. And then they come back to God, come back to self-love, come back on the path of empowerment and start Mm. to strengthen their sense of who they'd rather be. I want to be healthy and I want to be loving. Great. What can I do right now to demonstrate that? Just one little thing. What can I do right now? Okay. And uh, and people are listening to this, obviously. Obviously, if they're listening to this podcast, thank you, by the way. But also, guess what? That's an act of self-love somewhere. True. It's an act of self-love because you want to have this kind of information and inspiration to help remind you of the choices you have. Do you want to be disempowered or empowered? Is cancering happening to you and you have nothing to do? Or do you, is there something you can do right now? Just like we talked earlier before recording. Yeah. yeah. We talked earlier about before recording, my sister has severe hip pain, right? MRIs and CAT scans show nothing. So the medical model's lost, but she can't walk. And I spent 30 to 45 minutes finding what she could do in her control in a pain-free range of motion and exercise. And then I reduced her pain in walking by about 60 to 70% in a half hour. Yeah, you're a very lucky sister to have you. So there was something she could do. So guess what that did to her Mm. head? That her mindset, because I brought awareness that she could do something in her control, pain-free, and it brought her to greater choices. Greater choices now gives her the opportunity to create who she wants to become in the world and start creating the habits of life or living that will bring her towards that instead of away. All right. Yeah, I was thinking, thinking, I mean, that's a very powerful story and it just shows, I mean, how much just being challenged with your own mindset about your own, you know, your own story around healing. Uh, just being challenged in that can create powerful results. What would you say to someone who isn't doesn't feel they've got a lot of self hatred, um, and they're in not a, don't you know they're in a good place ish, um, but they feel well I don't want to get cancer I don't want to go down that path. What would you say to someone? How would they increase their self love? What would be you know would it be conscious healing? What would it, they what path would they go down to 
to develop that healthy relationship well, self, with themselves. Yeah, the path of self-love is conscious healing, right? That mm. is conscious yeah. healing. And just asking that question for themselves, how can I be better than I am today? Like, essentially, the purpose in life is how can I be healthier, wealthier, and more loving today than I was yesterday? It's just a question. And if you have that question, that's an act of self-love. Now, if you wait for the answer and you journal the answer, mm. that's an act of self-love, right? And so from that point, when you answer the question, how can I be healthier, wealthier, and more loving today than I was yesterday? And you answer it, that's, the, that's two, two self-love points if you're playing a game. And then if you take action on one of those things, that's another point. So then at the end of the day, how many points did you add up, right? Now, if you don't self-love yourself and you, you dive into the haagen that you know you're allergic to milk or something and it's going to cause you problems, well, that's a big minus one. So you add up your score at the end of the day and you say, hey, I'm moving forward. I had, you know, at the end of the day, my net result was plus two. Okay, you're moving forward. Might feel slow and your ego is going to get mad, but that's the way it goes. And if you're really in a state of neediness, you're going to want the lottery ticket and the cathartic experience to take away all the pain instantly. And that's a problem because that's not going to work most of the time. That's mostly an aspect of yourself that needs to work through this need for uh, immediate gratification. And the, the end game, the goal result is like, I'm free, you know, so I'm going to play the lottery and I'm going to try and get there rather than the process of life, two different things. And we're in the process of life. Maturing means it's a process. It's a journey. The end goal that takes care of itself based on the process. They have to engage in a process, a daily process, a mm. daily activity. I just wanted to mention just something, I just pick up on something you said, which uh, stood out for me was the ego gets mad um, when you practice acts of self-love. And I had Dr. Shauna Shapiro on the show um, a few months ago, and we did an exercise where you put your hand on your heart and you say, you know, like I would say, Paul, I love you. Um, and I get a nice feeling, but you can tell if the ego is not in a good place with that because that that expression of self love can create a cringe, you know, like an ick factor. Yeah, um, and that's a good reminder that there needs to be some work. There needs to be some work. It was a, it was a great interview. Um, absolutely, it's a rejection. It's an absolute rejection mm. of your authentic self. Yeah. Right. So. And then people will ask, well, how do I know if I'm in my authentic self? And I say, you won't have the question. So if you're questioning it, you're not in it. <laughs> it's that simple. <laughs> you know? Let's not complicate it. Yeah. What was it like to be my authentic self? I guess it's, it's something like people like to imagine what could that feel like? What, how would you describe it? I, how would you describe it for you? Uh, being in my authentic self means time and space sort of uh, collapse. Like, I'm not so concerned about time. And I'm not so concerned about the environment I'm in. Like, the environment has less effect on me. Wow. Okay. Right? So that's mm -hmm. one way that time stands still. So I'm ultimately present. I feel balanced. So in, in harmony. So what does that mean? It doesn't, it means that, you know, if, if you wake up in the morning and you haven't had your cup of coffee, you're not in balance. So you have a cup of coffee to bring you into balance. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. So I'm not talking about getting this external false sense of energy and balance. I'm talking about a real sense of balance. And um, and balance isn't a still point. It's just the relative ability to keep your center. 
with all the ways that we navigate uh, life. So that is, um, that's one way that I notice it. And I feel really good about doing things that might be difficult. Like I, I sort of say, oh, I'm going to do something difficult today, but I feel good about it. I don't feel so defensive or so resistant. Mm. I might still be charged. I might still be a little fearful. That's good. But I also know that if I'm in that state of authentic self, it's like, if I go through this difficult thing right now, I know I'm taking a step towards who I want to be in the world. And I focus on that. Wow. What sort of practices do you do? What do what do you think what do you do to maintain your mental and physical health to that feed your authentic self? What if we start from the from the end point? Like every like a lot of psych, positive psychologists will say start at the end game and then work your way back. So, you know, yeah. if you want to be someone uh, a year from now and you want to be 100 pounds lighter, start and then come back, like work your way back. So, for me, stillness and silence. You need some time in stillness and silence. Mm. I mean, it's just the way it goes. If you want a relationship with how you are right now and who you are right now, and then who you want to be, stillness and silence, I think is a very applicable place to start. We've all heard it from all the great saints and gurus, great True. grandmasters, that stillness and silence, even the stoic philosophers, right, of the 2000 years ago, they all call called upon us to be still and silent. So, and even funny enough in that stillness and silence, you'll see how chaotic it is in the beginning. And Isn't that's, it just when you practice that? That's the chaos that you, yeah, yeah. I, well, yeah, I, ego, yeah, but... I try to get two sessions, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night. Now, if you don't do that, then try to be aware, mindful in your daily activities. And what does that mean is to use the least amount of energy for the maximum effect. You don't have to Powerful. grip your car star, uh, steering wheel so hard. Mm. You don't have to really be aggressive in opening a door or a cabinet door. Just bring way more mindfulness to your daily activity. So you could be more powerful and gentle at the same time. That's use the least amount of energy for the maximum effect. That means you're consciously relaxed. Try to be consciously relaxed. And how do we do that? We again, use an it? anchor. Yeah. And yeah. And just, yeah, when you close yeah. the cabinet door, make sure you recognize I opened it and I closed it. Yeah. And if you're rushing around, recognize you're rushing around. And that, can you actually slow down a little bit? Just turn the volume on the radio down. That's mm -hmm. all. Drive your car, the speed limit. Like hold the speed limit. Don't put the cruise control on. Just drive the speed limit even in the turns and you'll start to slow down and come into the present moment instead of having to drive faster or slower or whatever, drive the speed limit, use the speed limit to bring you present and to relax into the moment. I love that. I, I think it's important to wake up and be more conscious. Just as a, a quick question. So if someone, if someone was doing that, if someone was giving themselves more self-love, uh, really working on themselves to be more their authentic self, being more present with the world, how does that uh, change the cancer story? How does that heal cancer? I'm hoping it, the, for me, my, I hope I influence people in a way that they can now see that cancer is for your evolution, for your conscious evolution. It's here, not as something to harm you. It's actually a messenger saying, Hey, I'm a survival mechanism of your body. I'm doing what I need to do to keep you alive. 
based on how you're living. And based on the hard decisions people made on your behalf because you weren't conscious, that may have affected you. So you have to forgive them for the hard choices they made or the unconscious choices they made. You have to forgive them. They were being human too. So my parents made, yeah, my parents made choices. Yeah, my parents made choices. They made choices and those choices had an impact on me. Now, whether it was for my immediate benefit or not. I just wanted to pick you up on something. How, what happens on a physical level when it comes to the, the change in cancer, when you're, when you're working on yourself to this degree? And it sounds like obviously it worked yeah. for you. And, you know, obviously six, was it six times um, where yeah. there was six diagnoses or, um, you know, but what you did, obviously what you did worked. So same cancer repeating. And then what I, what I did worked for myself. And in the physical sense, what it did was, first of all, it brought awareness. That awareness expanded my choices. And then the choices helped me make habits of dietary and exercise changes. Because it really comes down to nutrition and movement, right? Okay. Are you nourished? And if you're nourished, then you'll move in a certain way. You'll behave in a certain way in this plane of living. And the way you move when you're nourished is actually nourishing, typically. And so that's the cycle of regeneration, the cycle of evolution. But if you're malnourished, you're going to exercise or move in a certain way that can be malnourishing. And you're in a cycle of self-degeneration. And you're on the rat, the, the rat race. You're in the hamster wheel. And you're trapped in there. So just to clarify, when someone begins to move towards nourishment, movement, they're giving themselves self-love, they're regenerating, they're, you know, because the degeneration is what may cause cancer, in your view, and, and the regenerating is what begins to change that survival mechanism into something else? Absolutely. Yeah. We're here to survive and grow. Okay. But if we're stuck in survival mode, then we're actually going to implode. We're going we're gonna to die because mm. we need to grow. So cancer grows in our body to remind us, wait a minute, you're not really growing in the true authentic self. You're not growing that way. You're actually moving opposite of that. You're becoming who you are not. And the more that polarizes, right. the more pain and suffering we're going to experience. For sure. So at the physical level, it helps you do the activities in, in nourishment or diet and exercise. It helps you to feed yourself and nourish yourself and know how to do that. And if you don't, you have to learn. And then how to move your body so that you can actually unblock any of the kinks and any of the lymphatic system that's clogged up and just get mm. the circulatory motion uh, movement, not only to mention movement, proper movement for what you need is an antidepressant, anti-anxiety. It's uh, it builds hope. Uh, the list goes on, right? Yeah, yeah. And then absolutely. If there's something that makes it all work is dialing in your sleep. You know, you have to be able to sleep. High quality sleep. It's something that we all, we mess around as a species. We really do mess around with, isn't it? We really, I think there's, I know that I did that quite a lot. Um, and then had to pay attention to it to e uh, ease an anxiety disorder. Um, I could talk to you all day about this stuff. There's so much that I'd like to ask you, but uh, what would you think to just as a, a final question, what would be the one takeaway that you would like to 
make sure that people have got from our conversation today? What would be the one message? I, it's hope. You know, it really is because I think hope has such a magical. Mm. There's something in hope that's unexplained, right? It, it's saying that anything is possible. Wherever you are, wherever you are, anything is possible. I represent that as an agent of change and transformation. Anything is possible, but here's the here's the downside. There is no guarantee. So how do you want to live? A lot of people want to live, well, there's no guarantee, so I'm not going to do it. That's a disempowering, self-hatred way to go about it. But do you mm. want to play to win? Do you want to play to succeed? Look at everything and anything is possible, but you're going to need a God of some kind. I don't care who that is. It could be your yoga teacher. It could be okay. uh, your, you know, your meditation teacher. I don't care who it is. You're going to need some kind of a God um, in the big picture, the smaller picture. It doesn't matter. And knowing that self-love is a necessity in this process and opening up awareness to how you're loving yourself or how you could love yourself better today than you did yesterday. Or also opening up your self-awareness to how am I actually self-abusing myself, self-neglecting myself? And then you have awareness. You can make a choice because anything's possible when you have the power of choice. That is such a powerful message. I'm behind you 100% on the self-love because it really is life transforming in so many ways that it's a gift that we'll keep on giving. And it is, it's a never-ending journey. I always find it just keeps on going. As soon as you peel back, one layer, there's another layer waiting for you to, to begin to work on. It's true. It's like a tree, you know, it's like branches and just keeps growing. Yeah, that's the beauty of it to be to a degree. I think that is that just makes this life more interesting. Um, how can people find you? How can people locate you? And if this is interest and they want to get to know your work a bit more, uh, where can people find you? They can obviously find more information about me on my website at danhegerich.com. That's Dan. Hegerich, H-E-G-E-R-I-C-H.com. And on there, you'll see I have a Do The Cure podcast. They can learn more to there. And also, if they want a 30-minute you know, free discovery coaching call to see if we can just connect, then certainly they can email me at danhegerich at yahoo.com. And I'd be delighted to talk to people and see if we can't dive into really you know, a laser focused discovery thing to see what area of life is really calling at you. Is it health? Is it your wealth? Is it your uh, love and relationships? Because that's the three components of living. So let's just jump on the call. Uh, the open dialogue is the number one starting point. Dan, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for this whole conversation. Yes, Paul. I, I hope we can stay connected and in contact down the road. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you for this. Thank yeah, you. I appreciate you very much. Thank you so much for listening to this interview with Dan Hegerich. If you want to contact Dan, his details are in the show notes. And if there's anyone you would like me to have on the show to interview, then please leave a review in Apple Reviews or reach out to me again in the show notes. Stay awake, stay aware and have an incredible day.